We're continuing on in our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. Actually, this will be our second to last Sunday. Next Sunday will be our last Sunday in this amazing book, and then we have um, understood as much as the Lord would have allowed us to, I hope, in this time together about who we are in Christ, discovering, finding, rediscovering, renewing our understanding of who God wants us to be, but not only who we are to be, but how he views us, perhaps even more so in this passage today. Very familiar passage Brother Ted is going to read for us today from Ephesians chapter 6. Let's stand together as he reads from us for us from Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. Excuse me. (laughs) Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word today, which the Bible says, the sword of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for this passage in the book of Ephesians that speaks so much of what it means to be in Christ, what it really means to be a disciple what it really means to be a Christian. And Lord, some of this stuff has been something we've heard about since we were kids. Others has been revolutionary or life-changing, eye-opening. It has, Lord, for me. And I thank you, Lord, for how your word comes back fresh and anew. And Lord, this is a passage that we sang as little kids, that we are in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. And it's something we've known for so long. But I just pray, Lord, for fresh eyes today, fresh ears this morning, a new and greater understanding and appreciation and experience of knowing and living through and living in the light of God's holy word. So we ask, Lord, for your help today to do just that, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank you me borrow this sword uh, for display today. Actually, um, Rebecca bought this for me, this sword, in Scotland on our honeymoon. And then a number of years ago, it was damaged in a fire, and we were unable to get a replica. Little did I know that Donna had the only other copy that could be found. Um, but we want to thank you for letting us borrow that today. Um, she'll get it back out of the service today. But we are talking this morning about um, putting on the armor of God. I'm not going to display my lack of swordsmanship. We'll get to that later. 
but we're going to talk about three ideas in this passage that are that are that are pungent, they are powerful, they are true, and they jump out at you as you look at this passage. And we're going to just start at the very beginning of this section as it talks about us becoming stronger in the Lord. Paul is saying that he prays that we would become stronger in the Lord. He says, after all of this that we've talked about, all the things that you learn about who we are, and it's one of the reasons why I'm not going to talk completely about, this isn't a sermon on the armor of God necessarily, but as you see in your bulletin title, who we are in Jesus. Our identity, Paul says in this area, is that we are all soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can you be a Quaker and be a soldier? Paul says, yes, you can. For Jesus, amen, for the Lord. We are on to be on fire and on point, and even we're going to talk about on the attack for the Lord Jesus today. And so he says, finally, after all these things that we've talked about, knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're adopted, knowing that you're to have be blessed with heavenly riches and heavenly strength, God's amazing grace and his love and mercy in your life, after you understand all of these things about what it means to be a believer, now he says to stand and get ready because somebody's coming after you. Have you ever been chased by someone? Did you have an older brother who just wouldn't let you go? Maybe for you, like it was for me, my sisters were younger than I, and they were the ones who were always chasing me. Paul says someone with bad intentions is for you. But he says in this passage to finally children to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, in God's mighty power. And I think it's important for us to remember that it's not in our strength that we're to fight this spiritual battle that the Bible talks so much about. Now, I have to admit that it feels pretty cool to hold this big sword in my hand. If you want to hold it afterwards, I imagine that'd be okay as long as you don't swing it around. It feels good. It's heavy. I don't think it would really hurt anyone except maybe from blunt force. It's not made to be sharp. But it has a good weight to it. It has a nice feel. It reminds me of the store we were at in Scotland. Got this. But if Paul had said, I want you to take up that sword literally and be mighty in your own strength, maybe against an unarmed churchgoer, I might have a chance. But against someone who had practiced fencing or swordsmanship, I'd be in big trouble. Because in my own strength, I would be doomed. In my own strength, there, I wouldn't stand a fighting chance. And so Paul tells us this morning that we are to be putting on God's armor and God's strength, not our own. There's something also about this opening that Paul shares in this text that's really important is the way the Greek says it out is this is something that you're continuing to do so that you become stronger. Sometimes we look at the Bible and we're like, oh, this is something I do right now, and then it's done. Can you remember the story of David and Goliath when they try to give him Saul's armor? You know, Saul's this great big guy. David's this littler guy, and it just wasn't going to work. Now, if the armor had been closer to David's size, he wasn't a soldier. He wasn't used to, you know, um, anywhere I read from 20 to 40 pounds of extra armor on top of everything else. He wasn't trained to use that. He went out in battle with the way he was trained to go. 
But Paul says as believers, as God's chosen, as people who understand all that it means to be living in Christ, in order to become more prepared for the, for the battles that you face, continue to be putting on the armor of God. This is something that we do every morning when we wake up, right? We thank God for our salvation, don't we? We remind ourselves that we're people of faith. We remind ourselves that we have a common enemy. The Bible says, who is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Paul is very clear, and he says this over and over again, to stand, to stand, having done everything else, to stand. The church should never be on the run. A Christian should never be on the run. Now, the Bible does say to flee temptation. We need to get out of a situation if we can't handle it. But Paul says as we get stronger on our walk, as we continue to get to know God more, there's this sense of being stronger in the way we use the tools that Paul talks about in this passage. Now, if I was able to find a swordsmanship class or a fencing class, I have a feeling that this heavy sword would be a lot easier to swing around, don't you? I'd be more skilled at it. I wouldn't make a fool out of myself trying to pretend that I know what I'm doing. I actually would learn the skill of swordsmanship. And the longer that I use the tools of the trade, the more effective I would become, right? And Paul is saying that as we grow in our walk with God, these areas that he talks about in here about our faith, about our salvation. Later, we're going to, next Sunday, as we close, we're going to talk about our, our prayer lives. It's something that we build up our strength at. We build up our understanding and our abilities to do and be a part of. Each in our own way. I was trying to think of a video this morning that would remind us of what we're going to talk about in just a minute, that Paul talks about this passage. He uses the word um, in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And that word struggle literally means to grapple with or hand-to-hand combat is the way he views our Christian life. Have you ever felt like that was the way your life was going? Like each day was just hand-to-hand combat with the enemy? with temptation, with your struggles in life. It's a part of who we are. If you've ever seen The Princess Bride, you know there's a really great sword fight in that movie. We're going to watch it together as a reminder of what every day is like in the life of the believer. Now, do you think these actors just took up this sword fighting business and learned that in a week or a month? For the man in black... Terry Elwes, it took four months of practice after he'd already had fencing lessons, a younger guy. And the guy who played the man most of us know as Inigo Montoya, it was six months, eight to ten hours a day it took for them to learn this trade. Eight to ten hours a day for months. And Paul says in order to be stronger, in order to defend yourself, and in order to talk about what we're going to get to next, it takes dedication. It takes motivation, it takes inspiration, it takes time that we purposely do this. And over and over again, Paul says in this passage to do what needs to be done. 
in order to be victorious. To do what needs to be done in order to stand against the attacks of the enemy. Because he will come after you. He may be doing it right now or later on this week. And he knows your greatest weakness, doesn't he? He knows how to stab you in the back like no one else. But Paul says to put on the entire armor of God so that we might know how to stand against the evil one. So this idea of hand-to-hand combat, but what I really want to focus in is on number three. Because I've preached, even at First Friends, a lot of, a decent number of sermons on, on temptation. And I got to thinking about it this week. It feels like sometimes, Lord, that even in my own life, I'm a Christian on the run. We're a church in America that's on the run, run from itself, run from the world, running from the forces within it. And Paul is saying that I want you to take a stand for something, for me, for God, for the church, for what's right. And I got to thinking about how the inference here is that if we stand in God's righteousness and faith and salvation and preparation and dedication to the craft of pursuing the craft of our Christian experience, I don't know of any battles that were won when the army was only on defense. And Jesus talked about it in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he's trying to get his disciples to understand what it means to be a follower. Trying to get his disciples to understand all that Jesus was meant to be in their own life. And he asked them, he says, who do you say that I am? And you know Peter's answer. He said, I believe you're the one. You're the Christ, you're the rock. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, it is your faith that has sent you to this place. And upon that faith, my church will be built. And then he said these words. He says, and the gates of hell will not stand against the church. So many times we have in Ephesians 6 only perspective of the battle that we are to be in. What Jesus was trying to say in that passage is, that God has given us especially an offensive weapon called the Word of God. Yes, it's to be used to repel temptation. Yes, it's to be used to fight against the attacks of the enemy. But God also wants us to be on the offensive, right? I believe he does. I don't want to spend my entire Christian life fielding off the darts of the enemy without being sent out to do something for him, without a battle plan that God gives me in my own heart and life for what he wants me to do for him, not just in do in defense of him. And it says that God's word is the sword of the spirit. It also says elsewhere in the Bible that God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword, which pretty much means that any force that the enemy could throw at it, God's word was more powerful. And friends, I just want us to, to capture What Jesus is trying to say to me, at least this morning, maybe to some of you, is that for some of us, we just, we, our, our identity is that we just get enough of the Bible to survive another day. 
We just get enough of God to feel okay about ourselves. We just have enough understanding of who we are in Jesus to not be so discouraged that we give up on him. And Paul gets this idea of continually putting on all of that we are in God. Putting on the idea that we are saved. Putting on this idea that we're to be clothed and and living in his righteousness. Putting on the belt of truth that guards our thoughts and our minds. Carrying, actively carrying the word of God to be the light and the lamp for our path. And we weren't meant to be a, a church or a Christian on the run. We're meant to take a stand against the enemy so that we can gain the confidence for God to put on the offensive. And I've just been challenged in my own heart this week to ponder this idea of it not just mean about being able to survive. It's just not about me trying to be okay or to figure things out or to just get through another day. But that in God's plan for the church, there's so much more than that. That for each and every one of us, God has given you a force that cannot be conquered. He has given you a weapon that nothing on earth can stand against. There's not a weapon out there that Vladimir Putin or any other dictator can that will conquer the power that's contained in this word. There's not a force in your life that you aren't standing against that God won't give you the power to overcome. There's nothing too hard in your life for him. So Paul says over and over and over again in Ephesians chapter 6 to to stand. Not to crouch behind a wall. Not to hide behind somebody else. But through faith, believe that God has a better tomorrow for you than today. Do you believe that this morning? That you hold in your hands, whether it's in a book form or on your smartphone or in your heart, the greatest weapon that the world has ever known to overcome the enemy and to take ground for God. I know you know this, but we live in one of the most unchurched, non-Christian areas in the United States and no doubt the world. I had friends in Ohio before we left say, do you realize that you're going into a really difficult place in an area that really doesn't have a great foundation of Bible-believing culture around it? You know what my response was? My God is greater. There is not a force on this earth that can conquer you if you hold fast, if you stand, if you live in and wield the word of God. But the struggle that you and I face is that we want to be the the David of the story, put on the armor, carry out the sword, and go out into battle for glory, and we have no idea what we're doing. We haven't honed our craft. We haven't spent time getting to know the one who helps us to wield these tools of God so well. 
and our swings miss the mark, our dedication stumbles, and so often of the time, we know so many believers who are just discouraged and down and defeated. And I didn't read that in Ephesians chapter 6, certainly not in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16, that literally even the gates of hell cannot stand against the force of God's people. And I'm thinking about the community around First Friends Church. I'm thinking about the community around your home, your school, your place of business. And so many times we, we listen to the live enemy that, that people are hard, people are closed, people don't want anything to do with God. You were there once, and look where you are today, because the word of God prevailed in your heart and in your life. I'm not saying that we all need to go wherever Donna got this sword and buy one like this. But if you do, will you let me know, because I really want to restore the replica that we have. But what I am, I'll need to get to know this weapon really well. Better than we know anything else in life, we need to know the word so that when someone asks of us, we have an answer for the hope that lies within us. And if someone came through, I thought about this this morning, if, if just by weird chance, maybe someone saw my Facebook post about the sword and thought they'd play a joke and come in and challenge me to a duel. I would not have the confidence to stand. I would hope that some of you would jump the guy before he got to me. Probably need to work on our ushers about some safety training in that regard. But I would not have the confidence or the training to stand. I would decide if I want to go out that door or if I want to go out that door, which was the closest, and away I would go. What about when the enemy comes? How do, we, how do we fight that? How do we deal with that? It, it really is so simple. Yet it, it really is so complicated. I can remember, and many of you heard me share this before. Some of you are new and you haven't heard it, so I'm going to share it for you at least. When I first started to become interested in God kind of let me know I wasn't very victorious. I felt defeated. I felt discouraged, directionless. I, I didn't know where I was going, and, and I just had this burden in my heart to, to seek out God. So I started reading the Bible, and I had the King James Version back then, so it was even more challenging for thouest to knowest, howest to followest Jesus. I do say that in all respect. It made it a little bit extra challenging. But, you know, it was like taking my medicine. I did it because I knew I needed something more than what I had. I needed a cure for the heart that was hurting. And I went weeks of reading the scriptures and not really understanding a whole lot about it. And then I really can't say the day or the time. It was like the Lord opened up my eyes to more than I'd ever understood before. And now, all of a sudden, I could the verse, for instance, says, cast all your cares before me because I care for you. Wow. Well, that means me. That means no matter what it is that I'm going through, I can just say, God, this is me. 
And it was kind of like toast and milk. I would not go home and choose that as the meal for our after Sunday church time. But it kind of helped with the gnawing hunger that was there, some, some kind of satisfaction. But as the Lord began to work in my heart and I kind of became more familiar with the sword of the Spirit, it's become like cake and ice cream. If you don't like cake and ice cream and I ruin the illustration, that's your fault, not mine, because it's just, you can't beat that. When I open it, it's delightful, it's sweet. It tastes and feels so good that there's not much else I can think of that I would enjoy better than sitting down to a bowl of cake and ice cream or opening up the Word of God and learning how to become one of his own. So it's easy and it's complicated. But we're all called to follow him wherever he would cause us to go. And for this morning, God is saying, I want you all to be a part of my army. I want you to be cognizant of the fact that I'm speaking to you. I want you to realize that it's going to be called out of the way you've normally lived your life. I want you to realize that it may be a calling into a new kind of life and a new kind of trust and a new kind of experience with me. And it's not just going to be about fighting temptation and the darts of the enemy. But literally against the gates of hell, I will send you. Did you, did you, did you get that? The implication of Jesus' calling for his disciples is that's where you're going, out into the pits, out into the mire, out into the darkness to bring the light of God. And there's not a force in this world that can stop you. That's the... That's, the plan that God has for you and I. And I wonder, maybe I'm not a good enough pastor to get us to jump up out of our seats, or maybe that's not what Quakers do, but I'm glad I'm standing up <laughs> because that's exciting for me to know, to be reminded this week in my own heart and life that there's nothing too hard for God. There's not a force out there that, can't stand, that can stand against him. As I live in my identity of who I am in Jesus, I learn and carry his word and nothing can stand in our way. I can't really see anything out that door or that door or that door. So in your mind, in your, in your mind's eye, there's so many different directions we're gonna go after our times of Sunday celebrating and worship that time will be over. When you go home, there's not a force that can stand against God. When you go to work, there's not a force that can stand against the word of God. When you go to school, there's not a force that can stand against him. No matter where we go, God is greater than any enemy that we can face. We're just going to have a couple of minutes of meditation this morning, just some time